Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, about this time every year, my neighbor around the corner from me digs a big hole in his tiny front yard. He carefully slots these cute, colorful, interlocking bricks around the hole, and inside goes a banana tree. It makes no sense to me, but hey, maybe he knows something I don't. Today, we're talking to a gardening expert about how to grow whatever you love here in Pittsburgh. It's Thursday, May 11th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. Claire Matway, you're the Community Garden Network Program Manager at Grow Pittsburgh. What do you think? Is my neighbor onto something? Would you try to grow a banana tree in Pittsburgh? So very carefully, you can grow um fruit trees that that don't usually weather our Pittsburgh win- winters um, in this region. I actually don't really know about banana trees, but um, I do have some fig trees that um, that I'm currently in the era of. They woke up too early in my basement, and now I'm shuffling them outside to give them some outdoor wind and light, and then back inside when it's cold at night. Um, so yeah, you can, you can play around with some stuff that is from other regions, but there's also plenty of stuff that that really grows really well already here. And and that stuff is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about what can successfully be brought to fruit here in our region. Um, We've got a bunch of questions here that are sort of crowdsourced from among the CityCast family. Um, First up, I guess, is where? Um, Like, how do you pick a good spot for your plants? How much space do you need? Give us the basics. So you want an area to garden in that uh, ideally it's in the ground. You can grow in containers. You can grow in raised beds that are that are closed off from the ground. Most ideally, it's kind of level. That can be hard to find in Pittsburgh. <laughs> but um, also, hopefully, it gets six to eight hours of sunlight each day. Um, and you also want soil that's kind of well-drained. Um, you want to make sure your soil doesn't have any contaminants in it. And um, as you're like choosing a place to put your garden, you want to make sure that there's not, you know, a groundhog home right below um, (laughs) or a bunch of uh, invasive knotweed uh, creeping up on it. Um, I feel like you're already getting a little expert level. Um, Let's start with the light part. How important is that? Yeah. If you have a super shady spot, it's unlikely that you're going to really be able to garden. um, you can in say a way it. you that can be blunt with us. Produces, <laughs> in a way that really produces fruits and veggies for your kitchen. But um, yeah, basically, if, if you have a shadier spot, if you have a dappled spot or you have a spot that's not quite reaching that six to eight hours a day of sunlight, then root veggies and greens and herbs are most likely to do well in those shadier zones. 
So okay. you could grow some yeah. red beets or some chives or um, try some spinach and lettuce, something like that. Neat. Um, so how do you test your soil then? Um, I know obviously a bunch of us have like lead in our soil here in the city, um, all yeah. kinds of other problems. How do you go about even starting that? To be honest, I chickened out and did raised beds for myself. I didn't even want to try to like get into that journey. Yeah. So so you can um, buy or borrow a soil core, which is a tool that... Um, that basically it's like basically presses a sharp cylinder into the soil and pulls out a core sample from your soil. Um, hopefully you're taking several from like a 10 by 10 foot square. Uh, you can, you can also use a trowel or a shovel for soil sample collecting, but then you can send off your soil either to a soil testing lab like UMass or Penn state, or you can keep an eye out for the Allegheny County conservation district and the the Grow Pittsburgh Garden Resource Center communications about um, free soil lead screenings. Yeah. I mean, so say you get your sample back from one of these facilities. Um, true. Mad props to anybody who goes to all of that effort. Um, <laughs> right. It's, a lot, of, it's you... a lot of logistics. <laughs> There's a lot. I have trouble um, returning a pair of shoes, you know, that I ordered online. <laughs> I got library books in my car that were due two weeks ago. Right, um, right. Is there anything that you can do to improve it? Like say, you know, your soil doesn't have lead in it, but it also isn't like nutrient dense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you have high levels of, of lead or other contaminants, then um, yeah, you, you shouldn't grow in your soil or like there's some, there's certain mitigation efforts that you can embark on many years long um, sort of projects for. But if, you're, if your soil is uncontaminated, um, there's no lead or arsenic or heavy metals, but it's like just kind of crappy if it's just kind of rocky or if there's <laughs> yeah. just not very much nutrient matter in there uh, you can aerate it you can add compost to it you can add mulch um, you can do the the kind of classic lasagna gardening me- method of adding cardboard or straw or some other brown matter leaves adding layer of compost adding a fresh layer of, of soil if you want um, and if you just build up the soil over time and also you can plant cover crops especially legumes that um, uh, that are nitrogen fixing and and really help build up the nutrient matter in the soil so goal is to to aerate it a bit fluff it up um, add nutrients add organic matter create an environment where you have healthy microorganisms and macroorganisms and potato bugs and fungi and um and a happy home for those those roots of those plants that you want to grow so what about timing then when should you start planting for the year um i think feel like a lot of people are usually googling it nowadays or like you know within this week or so (laughs) totally um so if if you want to go the simplest route if you're just starting out and you want like the basic boundaries um, I like to say the door opens on the season in the middle of May and closes on the season at the end of October. And so that just means that we're really unlikely to have a frost that kills young plants after May 15th. And we're really, we're starting to be more likely to have that type of frost after October 15th. With climate change, with all kinds of stuff, those edges are really blurry. But um, if you want to do it straight and simple, just plant after mid-May and expect, you know, to be able to harvest up until sometime in October. Do you like to dance? 
look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch, we'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. How do you decide what to plant? You know, I, I feel like I always have to Google this to remind myself every year, um, but we're in hardiness zone six, which gives people, I guess, a basic sense of what's possible where you live, like at a glance if you're at a garden center. Um, but like as when you talk to people about how they should start a garden, like what do you suggest? Like where do you want their heads to be, um, especially in like year one, year two, year three? Uh, yeah, it all depends on some different stuff, right? It depends on what's going to be delicious, what you're really pumped about um, and what your goal is. You know, if, if, if there's particular things you're extra excited about having in your kitchen or, or growing to share with friends, um, then grow those things. Uh, if, you know, if they're hardy in our zone, which they probably are. Is there anything that grows really well here or, you know, that you would recommend like just to encourage people that were maybe afraid to get started on this, that are going to keep them in the game? Um, Many, many of your favorite veggies are probably um, able to be grown here. Tomatoes and hearty greens like kale and collards and mustards and lettuces and spinach, beans and peas, cucumbers and tomatoes and eggplants, um, okra. Some people are surprised that we can grow okra here, but you can get a ton of 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 harvest out of a, a row of okra plants, um, and they'll grow to be like... 10 feet tall sometimes if you've got a happy really? garden. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a row of okra plants uh, that I left in the yard after after the season ended year before last. And the little, like, finches and sparrows loved to, like, cling to the top of the okra stalks in the winter. Um, and I loved, loved to look out at that, yeah. That feels like the right kind of vibe for Pittsburgh winter, you know, just the birds looking down on your dead plants judging you. Yeah, I kind of love that. So once your garden's all kind of plotted out and planted, um, then there's watering and weeds and pests. Um, I know I've tried a bunch of different things in my raised beds for watering. Um, we've used a sprinkler, a soaker hose. We had some of those upside down water bubble thingies. Yeah. Um, nothing really worked better for me than like just soaking it with a hose at dawn and dusk. Um, what do you recommend for, for newbies? I recommend that same thing. Use a get get one of those wands for your hose that um, mm -hmm. kind of extends it, and then um, before you water, unless you know it's been like super hot and dry lately, and that the soil is going to be dry, before you water, check and make sure the soil is not moist a couple inches down because you don't want to overwater. And then um, yeah, use the use the shower setting on your hose. Use that long wand and water right at the base of the plant um, and just hold it there for a sec. So 
uh, yeah, you, you don't want to water the, the leaves of the plant, just water thoroughly at the roots. Okay. Um, for folks with in-ground plants, how would you suggest dealing with weeds? Um, like, are you a weed block person? Do you like mulch? What's, what's your game? Yeah, I love mulch. I totally suggest that you have straw mulch, leaf mulch. You can get organic rolls of paper mulch, whatever. It's great for your soil. It's great for preventing diseases from splashing up on your plants from the soil when you water. Um, It's great for preventing erosion when you water. It's great for preventing compaction. Um, And it's great for suppressing weeds. So yeah, love mulch. Um, And uh, for, for weeding, yeah, if you, if you have mulch, then hopefully you'll have minimal weeding. But I don't worry like a ton about weeds in my garden. They pop up, but I, you know, if you're, if you're going to be really thorough about it, you know, get to them early, pull them out at the root. If you're in a community garden and, and your bed getting weedy is going to impact somebody else's bed getting weedy, then it's very considerate to keep your weeds well tended to. Um, what about pests and diseases? Um, like, I guess, how do you try to work on keeping your stuff healthy? Like, um, I, I'm terrible at this. For example, my tomatoes last year, I planted 12 plants, not because I needed that many cherry tomatoes, <laughs> but because I knew that the chipmunks were going to eat at least half of them. Yeah. So pests and diseases is is a whole learning curve. And um, like a pest or ID book or just the internet are definitely your friend in that way. Um, the the biggest tips with that are to start your plants off healthy. So nurture your soil so they have a healthy place to grow. Um, then, you know, yeah, you're going to get pests and diseases. You're going to get some kind of bug or some kind of weird fungus. And um, you just have to pay close attention to the plants and get to know what each different weird thing is. And it it seems maybe at first that it will take forever, but if you practice, you know, if you get to know uh, the the rhythms in the garden, you'll you'll be like, oh yeah, this is you know this this is a blight that's happening, and then this time it's a a leaf miner beetle that's messing with my veggies. Um, so we also want to be good neighbors, of course, uh, to our friends in the city that maybe have like a postage stamp to work with or just a windowsill or a stoop. Um, if, you know, folks have to be like super, super careful or very limited in what they can grow, is there any one or two things that you would suggest for them? Yeah, it depends on what the goal is. If you're trying to save money on groceries, then some of the stuff that you can grow that is, that is much, much more cost efficient if you grow it are berries, herbs, uh, lettuces, and spinach. Um, yeah, like strawberries, tomatoes, good, good tomatoes. Um, yeah, good tomatoes. And, they ruined me on grocery store tomatoes. I know. Yeah. Um, and a small container can especially get you, yeah, stuff with shallower roots like spinach and lettuce, strawberries, um, radishes, something like that. Um, herbs can grow in some pretty small containers too. And, and that's something that you can save a lot of money on and like really spice up your uh, kitchen situation with if it was me and I had you know and I I this has been me before um it's only recently that I have a yard of my own to work with but um if it was me growing in just a couple of containers um I would grow some compact growing tomatoes because uh, you can get varieties of tomatoes that are especially suited to containers that aren't going to get super big which is also excellent well, let's end on a personal note. Um, now that you have a new and larger yard, um, what are you most excited about growing this season? Oh, 
that's such a hard question. I have a whole like uh, garden plan map in the other room. I could um, I could show you. Um, <laughs> do you have charts I'm... and graph and an easel? <laughs> <laughs> I do have like a yeah, I have like graph paper and everything drawn out, and I I I'll be growing six different tomatoes and uh, probably six different types of greens. I think tomatoes and greens are my like favorite veggies to have in the garden. Oh, and my my blackberries are kind of mature now, so they should be producing. Um, but I've also gotten super into flowers lately. I love to have like uh, flowers to cut for a bouquet for the dining room table or to bring over to a friend. Um, yeah, yeah, those are those are you know kind of basics, but they're they're things I'm excited about every year. Every year, it's still kind of magic to to grow stuff. Absolutely. Claire Matway is the Community Garden Network Program Manager at Grow Pittsburgh. Claire, thank you so much for all these pointers and happy growing season. Yeah, you too. Lead producer Mallory Falk here with a little more news before you go. Do you have ideas for Pittsburgh's next budget? Thoughts about what our local government should be putting its money toward? Well, city officials are holding community meetings to get input on the 2024 budget. The first one takes place over Zoom this Saturday, and there are in-person meetings in Homewood, Carrick, Manchester, and Sheridan through June. If talking in front of other people isn't really your thing, there is also a virtual survey you can fill out online. Mayor Ganey will put together a preliminary budget by the end of September, so now's your time to weigh in. We'll drop a link in our show notes with more information. And City Council is holding a public hearing for residents to learn more about Larry Scarado, the nominee for Pittsburgh's next police chief. You can ask about his experience and plans for the Bureau before he gets confirmed. Council members will also hold a separate interview with him. According to the Trib, Council hasn't set dates yet for the hearing or interview, but stay tuned. We'll let you know once they're scheduled. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. And if this episode has you ready to start your own garden, check out our show notes. We've got information about Grow Pittsburgh's great resources, including their lending library with free gardening tools. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. I am heartened to learn that the answer to so much of this is Google it. That makes me feel so much better. <laughs>